Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus went to be in Abraham's bosom, but the rich man went to Hades, uh, which was a place of torment. Now suppose you went there and you started telling everybody down there how much God loves them. Do you, you think they'd feel like they're being loved by God? They probably wouldn't, wouldn't feel too, too much loved by God because they have rejected him. The scripture in the New Testament also, if you go to 1 Corinthians, people have to what? God has to what? Like I've heard it a lot in church where people are like, God doesn't put people in hell. People put themselves in hell. Like, no. God put you in hell. It's really both because it's man making a choice to rebel against God. And they but they act like he has to. Like he doesn't have to put a sinner in hell. He could, he's got, he could change the rules instantly. Like if he loved you that much, he would just change the rules. Really, yeah, and he's, but he's going to stick to his word. The Bible says that hell was not created for man. It was created for the devil and his angels. But man rebelled against God, and he goes to hell because he chose in that path. The scripture says in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 22, you know, I've never, in all the years that I was involved in church out there, I've never heard anyone ever quote this scripture. I think First Corinthians 16, 22. Curse you. Okay. It says it says Paul says this, if any man love not the Lord, Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. So let the man be cursed. Now what does it mean to love the Lord? That would be the next question. Obey his commandments. He said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So if somebody's walking in sin, and in rebellion to God, that person's walking around cursed. And Paul says that himself. You think, well, Paul would just close the letter and say, man, God just loves you. Even though you're rebelling against God, even though you, um, you, you don't love the Lord, the Lord loves you, and he just never gives up. And we'll hear these different preachers. I'll say, God just loves you. He can't help himself but love you. You know, and he just loves lovey-dovey God, and uh, it, you just can't separate yourself from his love and all these things, you know, which is not really according to the word of God. Somebody raise their hand. Yeah, I, I raised my hand um, because I spoke to a guy yesterday. He was moving in with his girlfriend. And so I, was, I, I, I told him the truth, you know. And he told me, he says, you know, somehow I can rationalize and justify and actually make it okay. In my mind, I can make this thing okay that I feel like I'm, I'm all right. I'm in good standing with the Lord. And I said, brother. You ain't no brother first. You're not. Brother. Well, I call everybody. Anyway. I says, listen, you are separated. And I don't play, pray for the favor of the Lord or do anything because you are separated from God. I mean, that is that is really, you're living in disobedience. And he, well, no, you don't understand. I can just kind of work it out. The Lord sees my heart because that's, that's the, that, right. that is the general consensus of the world. The Lord says, I'm a good person, so he's going to give me favor, and I'm good to go. I mean, that's, that's basically, and then they go to the modern-day church, get the ticket stamp, and they're good. I think the key to what you said is, man, justifies. And rationalizes. That's right. He it's justifies. his own justification. Yeah. He's good. He says, somehow I think I'm good. It's yeah. his own righteousness. You know, it reminds me of the scripture in Proverbs that says there's a way that seems right to man, but the end is destruction. Yeah. You know, if he follows up, he said, said if a man follows his own heart, you know, then like in Jeremiah 17, right. you know, his 
heart is deceitful, the wicked, who can know it? He's following his own heart. Man, that's sin. He's got a corrupt heart until he comes to the Lord. Layla, you or uh, Wes have anything to add to that? Wes, still around? Whatever saw Wes. I saw him around. Yeah, there you go. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, welcome, Wes. Good to see you. Yeah, we can do all right. Well, I would say uh, Ephesians chapter 5 would be a good one in relation to Ben's question you know, about uh, having fellowship with unbelievers, you know. Because it goes down the list, we obviously know this very well, and uh, verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness are covered this Let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. And, and obviously, for this you know that no fornicator or unbelieving person or covetousness who is idolatrous in the inheritance but then we also go to um, verse 8 says, You once don't this, but now you like the Lord, walk as children of light. But the fruit of the Spirit is a goodness, righteousness. And then it says, and verse 11, it have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. I think that that, that verse 11 pretty much clear, clears up the confusion if anyone has it. Should you hang out with them? Um, you know, I mean, obviously the homosexuals, uh, you know, people come against that because they think, oh, that's a protest sin. But the reality is, is any any works of the flesh is, are, are not acceptable to God. You know, we're not supposed to hang out with drunkards either at the bar, you know, or we're not supposed to hang out with, you know, liars or covetous people or people that are in idolatry. So any of these things are not supposed to really rub shoulders or have fellowship with because evil company corrupts good habit. Amen. Um, I like what, what you brought out there in that scripture in verse 11. Uh, did you hear what he said? He said, have no fellowship. In other words, don't hang around with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. In other words, instead of, if you have to be there or something for your work or something, you need to correct them. Reprove means correct. He said instead of having fellowship with them, with their works of darkness, reprove them. Share with them the truth. You know, and don't, don't be scared to do that, you know, is what he's saying here. Well, one thing, to, one thing to add, I would say that, you know, the Bible also talks about don't cast your pearls to the swamping. You know, so lest they rip them in pieces and trample you underfoot. So, we're, you know, just because you see somebody in sin doesn't mean you need to go up to them and confront them and, you know, say, hey, you're in sin and you need to change your ways. Obviously, they did. Uh-oh. You froze up. We lost you. Okay, he'll come back. <laughs> Don, go ahead. You know, we see it uh, in, in Psalms that, uh, that God hates the workers of iniquity. And, but, um, you know, it, as for us, that, that doesn't give us the right to hate anybody. Mm -hmm. We don't hate them. Right. We, we hate their sin and we hate their, what they're doing. But even Paul, uh, with the man that was sleeping with his mother-in-law, he didn't hate that man. 
got but, cast out of the church, but he, I, I, we don't have the right to hate anybody because they're in sin. I don't know. I, I agree. No. Didn't David no, say hate. he hates people? Huh? Didn't David say no. that he hates people? God has the right. Yeah, God has a right. I don't, I don't see scripture. We should never. I, I don't see any scriptures that tell me that I should hate somebody. That's I thought look, David said, look up, hate look those. up us and hey, God. Yeah. I was going to say, if you go to the passage, you probably know where this is at. I don't know it off the top of my head, but it talks about we are called to judge those in the church, not judge those outside of the church. First Corinthians five. And it's now yeah. a lot of confusion yeah. as far as. Should you confront everybody? But if they're if a Christian brother and they're being in sin, then at that point there's an obligation for us to go to them. Or, you know, if they're doing it in secret, go to them and doing it openly, obviously the right to, to confront them to some degree. Yeah, and, and, and you know, Don, you were saying that, and that's, that's the absolute truth. I agree with you 100%. But that person that got expelled out of that church at that time, he probably felt like Paul hated you. Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> it didn't feel like love, but Paul no, it didn't. Him. And that's that's the thing with Jesus. We know that Jesus really loved, but he still sometimes called the the, the, the Pharisees and all the hypocrites and different things. You know that whitewashed sepulchers and these things. But it wasn't that he hated them. He really wanted to wake them up. You know, so sometimes you have to tell people just to be able to wake them up. You so find it Psalms 139. Look at Psalms 139. Verse 22. I'll let y'all deal with this one. Psalms is the book of Psalms. Yeah. Verse 20. What verse? 20. No, what chapter? Chapter 139 of Psalms. Psalms 139 and verse 20 through verse 22. This is what Christian was saying a little while ago. He said in their scripture it says that. Here it is. He says, For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord? that hate thee, and, and am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked, wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Wow. Well, essentially, a man who has a heart blatantly yeah. hates everybody who's not living right now. Yeah, we're called to love our enemies too. That's right. But, but in Old Testament, we read Old Testament sometimes, and he says, "An eye for an eye, two for two. And then he can't turn around and think that's love your enemies. I count them my enemies. So why? Then you like that one way too much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't stand those. But really, though, like, like in all seriousness, what is Psalms? Though? If this is a man after God's own heart, and he's saying, "I hate everyone who's in rebellion to you," which essentially means, "I hate everyone who's still sinning." So, sometimes, don't you, sometimes in your life uh, as a Christian, um, sometimes, you know, after you've shared with somebody and they've rejected it and you hear them saying those terrible language and just spitting on God, sometimes I just feel like I just want to get away from them. 
I think that's yeah, kind of what you're talking about. You know, just a, more of a future type of feeling, you know, like, like, like for instance, uh, um, um, Lot. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2, he said that when he was around that wicked generation, it vexed his righteous soul day to day to be around that. And I think that's what David's putting here. It's like it's just a putrid feeling. Like those that hate you, man. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be around them either. You know, other than right. sure, you know, that's yeah. it. Right. I've absolutely never read that before, and never heard it before my time. Oh, you like that? <laughs> you made your day. I mean, no, no, I don't. I'm not about hate. That's but not I mean, what you say at this, all, though. Is this correct? I mean, you know. But you can't throw out the whole the New Testament where it's explicit that the Ten Commandments. He says basically now there are two. Love the Lord your God with all Look your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and, and love and, others and as yourself. If you've done those, you, you've fulfilled all of the commandments. We are called, we are called, we are called to love God first and love others. Lay up your life for others. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and despitefully use you. You can't throw out that either. But there's sin. I have nothing but hatred for that. Is that wrong? Yeah, but see, yeah, that's, that's, that's your version over there. Before you know, <laughs> It says, hating, hatred, hate, hatred of man. Well, that's all the same 
That's a real revelation. <laughs> Man, that changed your life, right? <laughs> you don't okay. need to spell it out, though. I mean, I know, at, at the time that that was going on, God was promoting... Well, what's the God? I'm sorry? What's... Psalms 139, he's talking about. Verse 20. He might have lost this. Yeah. Would it be his internet or our internet? Um, well, just, just see what we're on. You should be on the TP Link 5G. Is that what it's on? It's the messaging that's me off. What is it? I don't know. Maybe it's my connection. It keeps sure. taking me off. You know how to check the connection? No, it's not. It's not nothing to do with us. If it was us, YouTube Live would be messing up. It's his connection. Okay. It's my connection. But hating even the garments defiled from the flesh, pulling, snatching them out of the fire, hate even the garment defiled by the flesh. So you're not hating the person necessarily, you're hating their ways as far as the, the New Testament. Because wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, uh, you know, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So, at, at, you know, crossing from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we're still hating the ways. But you know we're not, you know we're not necessarily hate person. I, I I wouldn't say as far as us being New Testament believers. The scripture he's quoting from is Jude verse twenty one through uh, through verse twenty four. Jude twenty one through verse twenty four. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Go ahead. I'll wait till you get there. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ at the eternal life. And some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Mm. So there you go. Because remember in John chapter 5, it, it talks about there's sins unto death and sins not unto death. And he, and he said that, that he says, uh, as a matter of fact, I'll read it here. It says, uh, if any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them. That's, that's, sin, not, that's sin not unto death. There is a sin not unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. There's a, there's a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. So, you know, sometimes the Lord wouldn't, somebody go that far, he said, you don't even pray for it. What are the sins unto death? The sins unto death are those that we talk about all the time that are listed in 1 Corinthians 6.10, fornication, adultery, sorcerers, you know, all that list in 1 Corinthians 6.10, also in Ephesians 5, Romans 1, and Galatians chapter 5, the works of the flesh that manifest, which are these, then Revelation 21, verse 4, those there also. So sin, not that. We've talked about this. Hey, Terry, you got that? Times. Hmm? You got that? Like, running a red light. It's not a sin. Did That's you get that? Were you going too right. fast? Okay, huh? but was he going I too fast? Did you catch no, I got it. I got it. About the law versus what's going on here. I mean, you, Galatians 5, talking about the law. But the law was put into play. If I am habitually running these red lights. Okay, in Galatians, when it's talking about the law. I know. Paul, what what had happened with his heart? 
what had happened in the Galatian church was the Galatian church had begun to walk. They had begun walking in the spirit and not walking after the flesh, because it says that in Galatians chapter 3. And then some people got a hold of them and began to talk to them and talk them into things like going back to getting circumcised, going back and keeping the law and putting one day above another and Sabbaths and all these different things that were in the Levitical law. And Paul was saying, you're going back to what you were into before. He said, I'm afraid of you, lest I bestow grace upon you in vain. Now, there is a law that we walk in, and that is the moral law. The moral law has been there since the beginning of creation, because we know from Cain that Cain had, had slew his brother, and he had broke that moral law and suffered the consequences. It's also the commandments of God. Uh, so... So the, the, the law that Galatians is talking about not to go back under is the Levitical law. But uh, as it goes on in Galatians, that's why he talks about, he says, those that want to have you circumcised, those that want to put you back under the law, says, or if you go back under the law, you, you're falling from grace because you're going back and getting circumcised. You're going back and leaving Christ out of your life. Right. You see, but the law that we're under is the law, the law of Jesus Christ where we obey the commandments of God. And that's where a lot of people get confused, Ben, is they, they get confused in thinking, well, Galatians says we're not under the law. Right. We're not to keep the law. Right. What, that, what law is it talking about? It's talking about the, the, begin, the first law, which was the law of, of, of Moses, of, 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 Leviticus, of Levi, it was, was the circumcisions. And, the, and he said, I'm afraid of you, lest I bestow grace upon you, observe days and months and years. You know, this is a, that's, that's part of no law. You're compelling people to be circumcised. He says, man, you're going in the wrong direction. And that's what he, is, he pulls it out of. Yeah, yeah Don? Um, okay, so the, the sins uh, that lead to death, you turn is that because um, they uh, the single act of doing one of these sins, or is it the fact that it wasn't repented of that causes it to be okay. to death. That, that's a good question, Don, and, and it takes a little, a little bit going back to understanding repentance and understanding what you're actually doing. We know that those, those lists of sins, it says if you do those things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, we know through the, even in the book of Revelation over and over again, he says those that obey the commandments enter in. Um, I think I think the big problem is I think the big problem is is people really don't understand what repentance is. So they think where well, you can repent and you and you come back out of repentance and go back to the world. Then you can repent and you can go back to the world. Repentance is a change of mind which causes a change of life. It's not just saying I apologize for that sin and that's that's repentance. That's not repentance. Repentance is where you totally go from being one person to becoming another person. Old things are past, all things become new. Right. So if a person, once they have truly repented, and that means they left all their sin, not one sin, they've turned all away from all sin and walking in the righteousness of God, to go back and commit one of those sins unto death is a very dangerous place if he can even come back. And that's why the fear of the Lord, you know, by the fear of the Lord, men depart yeah. from evil. Because you got you have to realize that David was fortunate because he had a relationship with God. Someone 
But then he went and did that, and he was fortunate to be, to be able to come back. Most don't, unfortunately. Because again, you, why? Because you go back to Hebrews 10, 26, for it is possible, for it says that if we sin willfully, after we come to the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifice for your sin. So you get, you're getting into that kind of position. That should scare the heck out of us, sure. you know, from, from doing anything like that. If I go back and do that, I may not ever be able to come back. I may seek repentance with tears and not be able to come back because you have the knowledge of the truth. So to answer your question, uh, I have to, I'm, I'm answering your question with, a, with another statement in that have they really, really ever repented to begin with if they're going back and doing that? Because perhaps they never really came to complete repentance. A lot of people say, well, I went far and I did this and I did this, but I'm still looking at pornography once a week or something like that. But they never really repented. They, they just went and apologized for the sin. They, there's no repentance there. And you're in the same condition if you, if you committed one of the acts just one single time and never repented, you're really in the same boat because it will lead to death. Yeah, it, it will at least to death. Right. Exactly. The wages of sin is death. That's what we're talking about. Let me clarify one other thing. You mentioned running red light. You mentioned these other things. Um, and we have those sins unto death. Now, if there's something in your life that God puts his finger on, and tells you, listen, don't do that, and you rebel against that, you also getting into a sin of death. You know, we know it's not a faith is sin. We know that he that knows knows to do good and doesn't do it is sin. But a sin of death is if you if you directly and willfully disobey what God is telling you. Besides even those things, I think you put yourself in the same. Exactly. And you risk uh, being turned over to a reprobate. Right. Any rebellion to God. So Romans one. Excuse me. So Romans one. Yeah, Romans one is also the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Anybody got something, something to say on that? All right. Good. Um, if there's nothing else, I want to turn to the book of James. I'm going to use some things here. Or will we? I think we're up. Do you verse 12? Yeah, did you want to do a recap on uh, what we've done so far in James? Just to get everybody no, we'll just start right here. This will be fine. It's good. Yeah. Where are we at? James uh, chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Okay, so let's start questions with verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God allows you to be tempted. It allows you to be tempted. Okay. Um, can I give you a scripture? I want you to go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis? Genesis 22. Verse 1. And it came to pass 
after these things that God did tempt Abraham. <laughs> yeah, that's your, version. your version says tempt, Bob. Mine says tested. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, I, I knew where you were going. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Been, by the way, tested and tempted is the same Greek word, Greek hey, and Hebrew word. We have some comments on YouTube if you want to address those real quick. Uh, stop now. I mean, it's up to you. I'm just letting you know. Okay. Let me let me go through this. Let me get this first thing here, sure. and I'll go back to those. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So what is it? Explain it. Within. Your, heart. your heart. 
Jesus never had a corrupted heart, right? His heart was pure because it never got corrupted with sin to begin with. So where did his temptation come from? It didn't come from his heart, but it says he was tempted in all points just as like we are, but yet was without sin. Where did this temptation come from? It came from the outside to the dark, to his so mind, or whatever. It came from the outward temptation. Ours is a different temptation. Once a person sins, then the heart is corrupt, and he begins to follow his heart. The temptation comes from his own heart because of his, his desires of his flesh and the passage of his flesh. And he's already been there. He's enticed, as it says later in the scripture. But once you come to Christ in a true way and have, have ceased sin, your heart is no more corrupt, right? He remembers your sin no more. You imputed righteousness. There's no more sin. It's, it's as though you had never sinned. So where does the temptation come from then? For you. It no longer comes from your heart, right? It's coming from the outside just like it did with Jesus. So that's the, that's the difference in the temptation there. It, it, was a, it was a testing, it was a trial, you're right, but it wasn't a testing to, there's two different temptations in Greek. One is a testing to see if you're going to sin. Abraham wasn't tested to see if he was going to sin. Abraham was, was tested to see what he, he would do. Look at but the, there was temptation. It was had temptation. To be temptation uh, in his heart not to be obedient to God to save his son. Yeah. That was the, but the, the test wasn't the same as the temptation that he had. The, the temptation to be disobedient uh, to God was coming from his heart. Yeah. Go back to Genesis 22 and let me show you something what happened there. Abraham was getting ready to offer his son up. He lifts the knife up to kill his son. Um, verse 13 of chapter 22 of Genesis. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind it. Well, well, first of all, the angel, verse 11. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I, here I am. And he said, lay not thy hand upon this, the lad. Neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have, you have withheld, you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Uh, Abraham lifted up his eyes. He saw a lamb. He offered it up. Um, and Abraham called him Jehovah Jireh. And look what the Lord says here, verse 16. The angel of the Lord called, verse 15, the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said this. Where are you at? Verse 16. The angel of the Lord calls to Abraham and says this to him. This is the second time he talks to him. And he said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. The Lord swearing by himself. For because thou hast done this thing and not withheld thy son, thine only son, because you've done what I asked you to do, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thee, thy seed as the stars of heaven and the sand which is in the sea, Sure, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice, which was the, the seed that he's talking about, is that seed in Galatians 4, which is, which is Christ. So he said, because you've done this, because I tested you, and you've done it, I'm going to bless your socks off, basically, is what he said. So, so things can come into your life that are somewhat of trials, that... God is seeing your heart. 
which he loves you, but he's but but you're proving your heart to him, to the Lord. Huh? Count it all joy. That's right. Um, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Yeah, I, just, I don't know if I can. I think all temptation comes from within. I just. I, I well, well, you know, you're a Christian. The, the scripture says that put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It says, take the shield of faith, which is able to quench the fiery darts of the devil. So he shoots fiery darts at you, you hear, to hear. And he comes in the first person in the present tense as if, as if it's you. He doesn't say, why don't you do this? And he will give you the emotion, and he'll speak it to your ear. That's why he says, take the shield of faith to stop that. There's darts that are coming at you. It also says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that... Even though we walk in the flesh, we don't war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. They're not like guns and swords and these things. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It says casting down imagination. See, it's coming at the mind. And every thought that exalts itself above what God's word says and bring every thought into the obedience of Jesus Christ. So, there's a, there's a realm. He says this in, in Ephesians 6.10 also. He says, 6.12, he says, put on the whole, whole of our God and say it against us. For the, we, war, we, we fight not against flesh and blood. Thy enemy is not another person. It's not even this person. But you're fighting against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, and spiritual darkness. So we're fighting against that which ruled us when we weren't in Christ. The Bible says that we... We walked in those things. The prince of the air, the Bible says, is what we followed, which all the children of disobedience do to this day, he says in Ephesians chapter 2. Go ahead, Wes. Is he frozen? He's frozen. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to talk. But my, I'm still thinking about God allows this to happen to you. Sure. He allows you to be tempted. So what part, if he allows it, he's kind of like cosigning it. Well, well, you remember what we yeah, read earlier, James? Well, absolutely, the choice, but he's allowing it. But, so but why? He cannot remember what we read earlier? It allows you to be tempted. Because it, what does it cause? It causes growth in that individual. It causes because he, because remember, he says, let faith, let, uh, remember he said, let, let uh, patience have her perfect work, which is endurance. That's right. You know, what, what? If you go out and you, and you go run a race, you have to endure. And running that race, sometimes it hurts. It does hurt sure. when you're trying to win because you're running this race to win, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 26. He says, run that race to win. When you want to win, and you, when you're running like that, it, exercise hurts. Yeah, no, I, but, but what does it produce? Endurance. Yeah, it produces I mean, all, endurance. All he's saying is that ultimately God is... Hey, God. Yeah, go ahead. Got you back. So, according to Mike, is that Ben that's actually saying he thinks that temptation is from within, right? It's Christian. No, it's not Christian. Christian. Okay, well, whoever it is, like, like what Don's saying, what would be the purpose of having armor on when the evil is from within? Good point. You know, because the armor is to protect from external attacks. Now, if we're, if we're talking about somebody that, 
is not saved, then obviously they're going to have to have the internal and the external. But according to Galatians, it says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So then it eliminates the internal. And then all is the external attacks at that point. So that that's why when you have the arm on, it keeps you from those external attacks or external influence that the devil would try to come against you with. Or, or else, why would you even have the armor on? You would be covering up only just an evil and calloused heart that you still have. You wouldn't be the new creature in Christ Jesus. You wouldn't be the new wineskin. So, you know, that's why it would no longer be an internal attack necessarily. Uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. That's good, Wes. Thank you. Don't forget about your question. I am. I am. I'm Ephesians chapter 2, real quick, uh, if you would. This is, this is the transformation right here that it talks about. We're going to start at verse 1. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. It says, And you, the believer, the person that's walking in righteousness, hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. When you're in sin and you're living in the realm of self, you're dead while you live. You're dead. You haven't been quickened. And you talk to these people that have been quickened here, that have, that have been born again, have been um, made new creatures, the old things are passed, all things become new. And it says, where in time past, in your past way, you walked according to the course of this world. You followed what the world did. According to the prince of the power of the air. You followed that. You did whatever you thought you felt like you wanted to do, whether it was the voice of Satan, whether it was the coming out of your heart. You followed that. You followed the course of this world. You, you were walking according to the prince of the power of the air. And this spirit that we talk about, it now works in the children of disobedience. So if somebody's disobeying, what are they doing? They're just following the prince of the air. They're just walking in that way, Okay. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our way of living or conversation in time past. In the lust of our flesh, we followed what our, we wanted, our flesh wanted. With this thing, well, the passions in, in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We did what our mind said. We did what our flesh said. We followed that, whatever we wanted to do. And we're by nature children of wrath, even as others. By nature. What, did this nature come from Adam? No, this nature came from yourself. You good. created it. I like that. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, you created this nature by, by disobedience. You, that once, remember what it said in, in, in James 1? It says, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Enticed means trapped. He's brought under. Once he does that sin and yields to that sin, he is trapped in that sin. And he's, and he's walking according to the flesh, and he's walking, uh, he created a nature, of, and, he's a, and by nature he's a, child, he's a child of wrath. And it's funny that a lot of people use this scripture, and they come by it after that, same scripture, same context, and they get to verse 8. For by grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you see there, you don't have to do anything. Wow, didn't you read the verses before that? It talked about a real transformation of your life. That you were walking according to the prince of the of this of the air, that you were children of disobedience, and you're gonna say, oh, oh now that means that you can do anything now. 
you know, that you're just free to do anything. No, you're his workmanship created in Christ unto good works, to bring forth good works. Why? Because you're different, because you're not listening to that outside voice. You've turned from sin and repented, therefore you have a new heart and a new spirit then that it's no longer corrupt, so the, 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 the temptation is not coming from the heart anymore. It's coming from that outward temptation. Like Wes said, that's why you put the whole armor of God. Now you'll hear people that say, well, every morning I get up, I'll put the armor of God. Why? Why did you take it off that night? You never take the armor of God off. You never not be a, a new man in Christ. You, you, you walk in newness of life continuously. Okay? Any, any questions or comments? You okay over there? You getting everything? Everything good? Damn yeah, good. Okay, good. Okay, now we'll go to the questions over there. Oh, oh, we got somebody here? Go, go ahead. Hey, I have a quick question. Who's that? Who's that, Layla? And, yeah. Turn your video yeah, on, Layla. Let's let uh, see. What's that? If you want to, you can put your video on. Put your video on so we can see your video on? Yeah, on your phone you'll see a thing. There you go. Same way. Yeah. There we go. Good. Is it on? Yes, on. You look good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there he freezes up. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> we got you froze up on a nice smile, like when you really look good. <laughs> Whenever you get unfrozen a while, you come back. <laughs> we want to hear what you have to say. Okay. Well, I think I think because there's so many people around now, maybe it's kicking us off. I don't know. Because of what? Okay, just do the audio then later. Switch it to just audio and see if that works. Okay, now go ahead. Does it work? Yeah, now you're good. Go ahead. Is that the same enmity that is in uh, Genesis 3 where he, he curses the serpent and said, I will put enmity between you and the woman? Um, I think the in-between... I've always looked at it, uh, and somebody may want to comment on that. Uh, I, I think that, uh, let's go back to that. Genesis chapter 3 is where he's asking for us, so let's go back. I think it's uh, the seed of the woman and the seed of, of uh, the devil. Absolutely. Like you said. Uh, chapter yeah, chapter 3, verse, we'll start at verse 14. 14. Yeah. 15. Yeah. And the Lord and I will went, put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Yeah, and, and I, I, I think that... Would that, that be the law? I think that that seed, it says the next part of it, it says, It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Speaking of the seed of the woman, of Scripture, what I've seen is that they always... The desire of the woman was to have a man-child because they, they wanted that, that seed to be born, which was the Christ, to come forth because right. he was going to bruise Satan's head, uh, he was going to bruise his heel, uh, that Christ was that enmity between uh, Satan and, uh, and, and mankind. And Christ bruised it and, and, separate, and broke that cross. So I think that's what that's mainly talking about. And he was going to crush his head, right? Yes. Yeah. He says, I, and I will put in between, between thee uh, and the woman. So he's talking about the serpent. I'm going to put in between the serpent and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. 
and he shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. That was the um, flesh and the spirit. Yeah, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Yeah. So I was just curious if the if uh, that enmity was was the law and commandments. Yeah, there's a, uh, it also reminds me. Um, Is there a correlation? Reminds me of later in, in Galatians. Um, it reminds me of scripture in Galatians that talks about the same kind of thing in Galatians uh, chapter four. Uh, it talks about the a warfare there between the bondwoman and the free woman, and it goes down and it, it talks about. Uh, we'll go down to verse chapter 4, verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was our children of promise, but as then he, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, and so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. What? It's deep-rooted hatred. Yeah, a deep-rooted hate between the flesh and the spirit. Mm. Okay. One thing, that, one thing that I was... Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, for, for Christian, Christian's the one that was talking about in temptation being internal. Uh, another thing is... When you when we're talking about Ephesians chapter two and by nature they have become children of wrath and what we define that as is by long practiced habits habit uh, they they become children of wrath so even at that if there's anything internal in, in a believer that has um, truly repented and come to the light and uh, turned away from all known sin the only internal battle that one will have is according to Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about the washing of the water of the word, renewing your mind. So there is still thoughts, because you, you have uh, given yourself two thoughts of this world. There's still a renewing of the mind that needs to transpire. So maybe that will clarify, you know, for him, what that would be the only internal battle that one would have. What about desires? We crucify the flesh. I get it. Talk, up, talk up louder so they can hear you. You talk really loud. I thought, well, you're the only person on the planet that ever said that. But anyway. You never been told that. What before. about the desires of the flesh? We crucify the flesh. Yes? We do that. We have. We're still, Not doomed, man. They're, they're, we're still, they're still, <clears throat> we're, we're drawn away to it and enticed, but there are fleshly desires. Okay. Jesus had the same thing. Yes. He's tempted in all points just like we are yet without sin. Hebrews chapter 4. So it, when, when you're tempted, you have passion. You have the passion of the flesh and the spirit. You still feel those hung, those, the heat, the cold. Uh, you get hot. You get cold. You, get, you have all these things that come. You got hormones. You got different things that you deal with. But like he said in Galatians 5, 24, it says those that are Christ have crucified. The affections and the lusts thereof, the passions of, the, of those desires. So you're not, you don't, you're not giving into that anymore. Right. But you still it's like it's like when Jesus was tempted. 
we talked about it in uh, Matthew chapter 4. He was tempted by the devil. He was, he was hungry. He didn't eat for 40 days. He felt that hunger. And Satan says to him, he says, you know, if you be the son of God, turn that stone into bread. You know, that could be, could be a real temptation to a person that had eaten 40 days. But his love for the Lord was so much greater that the temptation really wasn't even like a temptation. And, and he says, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Keep in mind, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, no temptation has taken man, but such as is common. So we have this commonality of temptation. We, you, you're, you, you don't have, you're not in a unique situation. Uh, my temptation is, that comes to me is temptations that other people have too. And, and maybe, maybe it's not even in this room. Maybe it's somebody else that has some, some, some type of temptation. And sometimes you have temptations because of what you've done in the past the devil likes to bring those things back and get you to think about certain actions that you did in the past or certain actions that somebody else did to you in the past to try to get you to accept that thought and dwell on that. That's why the scripture admonishes us in Philippians chapter 3 to think of those things that are good and pure and honest and those things that are of good thought. And, to, and they keep this armor. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, Come that chance, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He gives us all these want to put it on the whole arm of God. Stand fast in the faith. You know, walk as children of light because the enemy comes, but our love is so much greater. Here is Abraham, okay, and he's being tempted to kill his only son, Isaac. Jesus comes back in Luke 14, and he says this. He said, whoever doesn't hate his mother, his father, his wife, his brethren, and even his own life cannot be my disciple. And you would think, wow, that's pretty harsh. But here Abraham is, and he's tempted to hate his son, to kill his son. But he does not even hesitate because his love for God is so much stronger, he can see past that, that particular temptation that comes at him. That's where your love has to be. Jesus, when Jesus uh, was with his disciples one time, his disciples said, he said, Lord, we've left all to follow you. Remember that? He said, we've left everything. And he said, whosoever leaves everything, whether wife, husband, whatever, for my sake in this world, he shall receive a hundredfold more in this world and eternal life. So he's saying that the love of him is so great, like Jesus for the Father was so great, that these things here, it didn't move him. Just like Paul, he says, none of those things move me because those that are in Christ have crucified. They put that to death. They've left that old life and they don't want to go back to it. They know what it is. Just like you or, or me or anybody. I don't want that old life back. I've been there. I don't want to go back to that. My passion for the Lord is that. So if Satan comes to tempt me on that, like, and give up what I've got now in Christ, man, my family, Mostly the Lord, uh, you know, you, you count, he says, count the cost. Wow, the cost is way up there. You know, there's no way. You know, but when you, when you, when you first start out, most of us, when you get enticed with sin, then one sin leads to another sin. And then you're in that sin and you got to lie to keep, up, to keep anybody from finding out about that sin. So that sin adds more sin. And, you, and you're in this trap 
that you can't seem to hardly get out of until you're like, man, I want to get busted. It's <laughs> to, to get loose, you know. So to, to be able to repent of that. So, so hey, we have a question here. This person said, couldn't a spiritual application apply? Hating Satan with a perfect hatred. Yeah, absolutely. All right, the next question says, could someone please explain on hell being for the devil and his angels to give hope to those who know they are condemned? I know Satan means adversary, which is anyone who is against the truth. So she wants you to expound on, on that statement you made about God creating hell only for Satan and the devil. You know, there's a scripture, and I, I think it's the book of Isaiah, you can look it up, that says that, uh, that the Lord created um, hell for the devil and his angels, that it, it wasn't um, for mankind. He, he's, remember he said in 2 Peter chapter 2 that um, God is not slack concerning his promises. Some men may count slackness. He said, but he is very long-suffering. Remember, he goes a thousand years, says the day is a, th day is a thousand years. He says he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. So the Lord is, is, is long-suffering for that. He's, his, his desire is that everybody come. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. So all men are drawn to him. He said that, he, that he's lighted every man that cometh into the world in John chapter 1. So he, he's wanting everyone to come, but unfortunately, people have rebelled and turned their back on God. I remember Jehoshaphat, and we talked about this story before, Remember Jehoshaphat, he went forth to war, and he, and he linked up with Ahab, a wicked king, Ahab. And they linked up, he, he went to him, and he yoked up to him. This is a story that tells you exactly what God is saying in the New Testament. It tells you that you're not to yoke up with unbelievers. You're to not socialize other than to share the gospel. But he said, hey, look, I'll go fight this war with you. I'll do all these things with you. And he linked up with him. And then after it all happened, you know, Spirit came and, and man, uh, King Ahab got killed. And a, a prophet, Jehu, came to Jehoshaphat. And he told Jehoshaphat, he said, why do you love, God said to him, why do you love those that hate me? Why are you despising my commandment? And you went and linked up, yoked up with him. He said, I don't want you hanging out with that. And that's, that's a picture of what mankind does is he will go and go the wrong way. Follow the way the Lord says. Walk in his righteousness. But man has chosen. All we like sheep have gone astray. So no, God does not want to see anyone go to hell. That is not his desire. But man chooses that way. And that is the wages of sin is death. And the gift of God is eternal life. The next question is by Donna Hope. She said, what are the sins not unto death? I'm sorry, I don't understand. Sins not unto death would be, uh, we, we know what the sins unto death are. So they're listed in the scriptures that if you do these things, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The sins that would not be unto death would be something maybe would be like a, a, a would be sins outside of that. Uh, perhaps like uh, if I raised my voice at my wife or talked to her in a, in a wrong way and, I did, and, and then the Lord comes back and says, you know, not to do that. Uh, then I'm corrected by doing that, and I, and I walk in that. It's fine, but that's not a sin that lead, that, that, that is unto death. If I died at that point, you're not going to go to hell. But if I go and I'm looking at porn, or I'm, or I'm going, I'm, I'm committing adultery, or if I'm, if I'm going to do any of these things that are in those lists, in those four, four different books, of, of five different uh, epistles, then uh, 
the scripture is very, very clear that those those particular sins you do, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Anything that is not done in faith. And go through them. Excuse me? Why don't you take one of those sins? Uh, for instance, uh, okay, for instance,